0: Welcome to the Dog Liaison Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. You're about to listen to a live coaching session in which I coach a dog guardian just like you through treating their dog's behavioral obstacle. These coaching sessions often go in unexpected paths. These guardians start off thinking their challenge is one thing, only to realize what they actually have to focus on is another. However, a guaranteed result of every single coaching session is the guardian walks away realizing just how much they already knew and feeling empowered to create and execute their dog's next training plan. So listen in as we troubleshoot and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode three of the Dog Liaison Coaching Show. I am your host, Jenna. If you're new around here, welcome. So happy to have you. I am the owner and head coach here at Dog Liaison and we are gonna be doing a live coaching show today. Today's guest guardian is Tatiana. We are going to be learning about her dog, Mumbo. When mom and dad indicate to Mumbo that it's time to leave the park, but he's not ready to leave, Mumbo will resource guard his ball. Mom and dad have resorted to tricking Mumbo into not knowing when they'll be leaving in order to avoid the guarding. So today we're gonna try to problem solve what exactly is causing Mambo to resource guard and what do we need to do to prevent the resource guarding from occurring, yes, and also move forward. How do we get to the long game where we just go and take our dog to play and when it's time to leave, it's time to leave. So if you are interested in learning more about resource guarding, especially resource guarding as a symptom of anxiety this episode is for you. I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, which is the Recovering Rover Program. Uh, the ROP is a six-month group coaching program designed to guide guardians through treating their dog's anxiety-related disorders, including resource guarding. So if that's something you might be interested in, head over to the link in my bio to check that out. Thank you to the RRP for making this live show with guardians for free available. We're gonna jump right into the coaching call right away. Hi, Tatiana. Hi. And how are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks, how are you?
0: Good, thank you so much for jumping in on sharing your story about Mumbo. And for those that don't know, Mumbo has gotta be like one of the cutest I've ever seen in the planet. Shout out his handle, what's his handle?
1: Mumbo the Pit.
0: Mumbo the Pit. Y'all need to go follow. He is absolutely a stunner. I know I have a soft spot for pities, but...
1: No, y'all. he really he really is a stunner. Like, he gets so much attention. We live in San Francisco, and he, like... It's like he gets catcalled. Like, we'll be on a walk, and people will like, yell from their cars and stuff.
0: I believe it. I completely believe it. Those eyes, like... Uh, uh. So why don't you go ahead and introduce Mumbo to us? You know, we'll get into sort of what's going on with the ball in just a second, but kind of give us an overview of who he is, what he's got going on in his life.
1: So we got Mumbo uh, at eight weeks. He's almost two years old now. He's He was my first dog. I've, I never had a dog growing up. And my husband grew up with dogs, but like, so he grew up in Mexico where it was like, You have outside dogs, kind of like guard dogs who hung outside. And it was very kind of like hands-off. So I kind of like threw myself into like trying to learn as much as possible. And like we never hired a trainer or anything. I Like I would try to just like watch tutorials and videos. And it was kind of, I guess, a lot of trial and error. Because like things got, as a puppy, it was like a little bit more, straightforward it's like oh you're teaching these like commands and he would pick him up really easily and we tried to like socialize and at the time like i thought social we thought it would mean like take him out expose him to as much as possible like go to the dog park and stuff and that was fine in general like he wasn't ever that interested in playing with other dogs but he was fine with it and then as he started hitting adolescence Actually, pretty young. He started doing this thing where he would take other dogs' balls. Like, it wouldn't be balls that were just, like, lying around at the park. It would be, like, specifically balls that were, like, being played with. And he would take them and run run away. Like, it was, like, his thing. And at that time, he didn't even know how to play fetch yet. Like, it was still kind of, like, a work in progress. Anyway, so that was, like, the first we had seen of it, resource guarding. And that was very different from what he's doing now. Like, cause at that time he would like snap a little bit at other dogs. Now, like when he does the resource guarding, he hasn't done anything with other dogs. I don't know. If, does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, in general, like he's been a super adaptable and pretty easygoing dog in the sense that we had a baby in uh, last August, not this August. And he had to adapt to that whole thing. And that was a lot like we, we live in a one bedroom apartment. So it was pretty close quarters. And that was actually probably around the time where it's hard to say like what exactly caused it. Cause there was so many like changing things that he was deep into his like adolescence. And then there was so much unpredictability in our lives. And it was around then that this thing really started, but I can't say that it's because of the, changed because also th- it was around that time that he really took to fetch, like that he started to become like ball obsessed. Like once we hit the park, he was all about that. So in general, like mumbo's is like a pretty intense dog. Like once he like loves something, like he gets so excited, whether it be like people or the ball. At this point, any place where we've played fetch becomes this like super exciting place for him like that he only associates with the ball so like for example so we live in san francisco and he grew up going to golden cape park a lot um and so any patch that we've played fetch at like he just like if we try to go through a walk through the park he doesn't want to walk he wants to go to the patch where you play fetch do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so should i just get to the part of like today like now what he does so, like, he started about a over a year a little over a year ago where we'd be playing fetch. And I would do this thing at the time because I thought it would be like, oh, I'll give him warning. I'd be like, okay, last one. And then last one, he stopped bringing it back. Like, he figured it out pretty soon. At that time, we, were, we would try to kind of, like, force him to drop it. And it's hard to remember because it's evolved so much, like, how we've dealt with it through this year like we would just kind of repeatedly tell him to drop it and at the beginning it worked and then it stopped working and then so like I would just have this whole plan to be like to basically try to trick him into not realizing that we're leaving yet like I would try if I was with my husband if we were all together I'd be like oh next one but I'd have to make sure he wasn't looking out of earshot and like wouldn't hear because like he picks up really quickly on like what the cues are And that worked, but it was, like, a pretty big source of anxiety for me because, like, I'd have this whole, like, plan of, like, how am I going to trick him, basically? And it didn't feel good, and I, like, I would try to figure out, like, look up, like, what to do with resource guarding because it was such a specific context. It's not like he doesn't give up the ball, like, when we're at home. Like, it's no problem asking him to drop it. And if he doesn't think we're leaving, it's also not a problem either. It was just that specific context, and I felt like, there was no help for that where it would just be like, oh, trainers would be like, oh, like you have to condition a good, like a really strong drop it cue. And it's like, well, he it does feel like he has a strong one, but just not in that context. Mm-hmm. It's evolved to the point where it almost feels like he can read my mind when we're gonna leave. And I think it's also the combination of like, once he starts getting tired, he stops wanting to bring it back to me. Mm Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm just going to backtrack about his relationship with the ball. It's totally like a security blanket to him. Like, Mm -hmm. we go to the park and he's excited to be out, but he can't interact with the park or like his surroundings until he has the ball in his mouth. Mm -hmm. So like, he'll be there waiting, like anxiously for us to throw it. Once we throw it, once he'll go like run around, he'll be sniffing, he'll be rolling in the grass, but only if his ball is present. Like he loves to like roll on his ball and he doesn't act like that unless the ball is there. So it's like, and he has all these like kind of rituals, like where he takes breaks in the shade, but at a pretty big distance from us, like he'll go under a different tree with his ball and he'll just be lying down like wagging his tail and like he loves it. Like, it's it's just a whole thing. But he doesn't act like that if he doesn't have the ball. Because we tried at some point. He's like, okay, we're going to stop playing fetch at the park. But then he, like, doesn't know what to do with himself. At this point, I guess it's changed a bit because I was like, this isn't working because now it just feels like he can read my mind. And then now that gives me anxiety, too. At this point, he anticipates when we're about to leave. I don't even have to say anything. So it actually happened yesterday. We were all out. We were having a good time. There was no indication that we were going to leave because we actually weren't. But he was tired and it was hot. So he gets tired faster. So he started doing it. Like we saw, like it's subtle. Like if you didn't know him, you would just think he was a dog with the ball. But you could tell in his whole body language that he was not having fun anymore. And he was like, I got to start protecting this because he didn't want to play anymore. But he also didn't want to leave, I guess. It kind of feels like what a toddler at the playground kind of thing like he just doesn't know he doesn't know when to leave even though he's tired yeah so he did that and then so I was like okay we gotta go because it never feels quite safe like once he gets in that state because he's really like not himself he starts like cowering once we stand up he'll start standing under my legs like really leaning against me and and of course that makes it difficult like to deal with like A baby and packing up the stuff yeah and then the walk back it's always doesn't feel great like to think like a dog another dog approaching while he's in that state and that's what feels like scary about the situation because like if we make it to the car it's fine but actually yesterday he did something he's never done and same with today for the first time now that I've just started letting him just keep the ball as we walk back to the car the second he's at the end of the like the barrier of the park, where he knows, like, oh, we're no longer in the park. He'll drop the ball without us asking. He just drops it and then keeps walking. He did that today and yesterday for the first time ever, and that's only since I started just like not even asking for him the ball back. That's pretty much what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. <laughs> um, so
1: do I. I. Like, yeah.
0: And and I and I apologize for for kind of smiling and giggling at, at, at that because what I heard was you say that like you having to trick him and kind of do this full like coercion plan has caused you anxiety I heard you say it doesn't feel good yeah can you expand on why doesn't it feel good to do that
1: well one it feels not sustainable mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't want to be thinking about that like when I go out because like I also want it to be something that it's like, cause it's really enjoyable for me to throw fetch for him. Like he's really fun to watch play fetch. Like he's super athletic and like throws his like body on the line for the ball type thing. It's, it's fun. And then at the end, it's like, I get this thing where I'm like, Oh, like, how am I going to, like, basically how am I going to get the ball back without this whole thing happening? And then also I just feel like for our relationship, like I don't want it, to be like, he doesn't trust me. Like, it's like, oh, like he gets tricked because there are times that I really do feel like I'm tricking him, like we're, I can already tell that he's suspecting that we're packing up, but I'll be like, oh, bring it back and I'll throw it. And I'll throw it once to act like we're still playing. And then he'll bring it back again. I was like, okay, that's it. And then he looks really nervous and he does a lot of like lip licking and and then looks really disappointed, I guess. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good it feels um deceptive and i don't want to have to do that
0: i think it's absolutely beautiful that your premise is like a it's not sustainable yeah on a tactful strategy like i don't want to have to keep going through a 10-step process to get myself in the car right but actually at the root of that beyond just the tactful implementation at the root of that is that you're concerned that doing all this coercion doing all this disrupting is actually disturbing your relationship and the trust you have with mumbo I think that's actually a really really beautiful quality and I can hear how combating something as important as I don't want to disturb the trust that my dog has in me with we'll just get a better pick it up just get a better drop it just get a better cue it's like we're dealing with something more significant, which is the trust my dog has in me. And just getting a better drop it cue is like, yeah, that, they're not congruent.
1: That's the thing. And I've just felt like that is so much of like, what I've learned is just like, it's so much more complex, like dealing with it because they're a whole being. And I, it's not just like, oh, once they have a command under whatever, it like it, just the whole thing of, when people are like, oh, you got to make a dog sit, like I've noticed it's like, oh, like in some scenarios, like he really just doesn't want to. And that took a while for me to learn it. Like just that kind of thing. It's like, I have to respect that. You can't just and it feels the same way here, but then it's just kind of scary. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. I I have a couple more questions that are more like information gathering but I think what I'd like to do actually start off with some of the coaching questions and then as we get to some of that other information that I need to gather I'll just ask you is that okay Mm -hmm. okay so I heard you say that just in the last two days which I know an end of two is not very many so two days is not very many cases to go off of but um, just in those last two days, when he gets to the gate of the park, he just drops the ball on his own, right? That, yeah,
1: and this was the first time. Today, this was the first time at this certain park that he did that. I didn't ask okay. for it. I opened the gate. He dropped it.
0: Why do you think that happened? What What do you think was going on there?
1: I don't know. If this, like, I think he's doing it on his terms. Like, it, that's what it feels like. Like, that. that's when he's like, okay, like, he's dropping it now. I don't, I don't know. Okay, that's
0: okay. So uh, you said like this was the first time at that park. I, I, there's like multiple parks that you go to. Do you just yeah?
1: To- I mean, we we go to different parks. I mean, because there's a lot, and sometimes like yeah.
0: Uh, do you have like a pattern to when you go to what parks, or is it just like depending on the day?
1: I mean, most of the time we've been going to the one that we went to today, but like the one that he did it the day yesterday was another park that we often go to but not lately like mm-hmm. as just like life has been busier that one's farther away mm. but yeah it's kind of random but where we go but he knows all of them
0: yeah and it sounds like he's building like really strong associations with them especially once he played. instant like oh my god i know this place right
1: yeah instantly like and then it's no longer a place where he can be chill at like if we're on a walk without a ball, and we're just walking, like, he's, like, pretty chill. Mm-hmm. But once, like, the ball gets into the equation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: His focus on the ball, if we were going to th- sort of give it that a, a word, what word would you give that, the intensity of, the, of his focus on the ball?
1: What word would I give it?
0: Yeah, like, what adjective or what label would you call it?
1: Pretty obsessive.
0: Okay. Would you say that it's obsessive in the way that, like, I'm obsessive with del taco? (laughs) Or would you say it's getting to an unhealthy place?
1: So, like, in the context of being out at a park, it does sometimes feel unhealthy. Okay. Because at home, like, if he has a ball, he's excited about it, but it's different. I was actually just talking about this with my husband yesterday. Like, We've kind of used it to our advantage because when the ball is present, he's super receptive to us. So like, mm-hmm. we we can have him off leash, and he stays close. And like, you know that his recall is going to be really good if the ball's present. Not so like, he does have quite a good recall without it, too. But he's much more likely to just kind of wander off. So like, it's for us. We have also used it to like keep. <laughs> The group together.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah.
1: So it's like to all of our advantage, kind of.
0: Um, but I heard you say that, like, especially at the park, the obsession seems unhealthy. So even if it's even if it's happening to a benefit, even if there are perks to yeah. the ball, uh, can you dig deeper into like what about it is, uh, is unhealthy?
1: Because like, if the ball's present, he can't do anything. Like, he doesn't have independence. If the ball's present, he can't, like, function normally, if, unless he has it with him. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we need to take a break, because I'm dealing with our baby, and I'm like, just wait a second. He's doing, like, hula hoops around me until I throw the ball type thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He, can't, he can't just, like, chill if the ball does is not there at all, he can interact with the park. But if it's there, he he can't unless he has it with him. Mm-hmm. Does, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, it does. So if what I'm hearing is that, I'm gonna kind of repeat some of the things you've said, I'm just gonna consolidate them in one little place. Is that okay? Yeah. So I've heard you say that without the ball at the park, he, he, Mumba feels lost. He's like, what do I do? What do I sniff? I, it's not until I have the ball in my mouth that I can sniff that I can roll around in the grass that I can be a dog, yeah. right? But if I don't have the ball in my mouth, I'm like,
1: I, I need the ball. Like yeah.
0: Right. I've heard you say that he has an unhealthy, especially at the park, he has an unhealthy obsession with the ball. And I've heard you call the ball a security blanket for Mumba. Yeah. My question for you is hearing all of those things together. Is the problem the ball?
1: No, because he acts like that with people too, that he really likes, like guests, like like he brings this he does the same thing with anything that he really loves, I guess, or makes him really excited. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's certain people and the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. So if the problem is not the ball. Is the solution also, is the solution about the ball?
1: No, it's not. And that's that's what, I mean, that's what I, at least I feel like because it doesn't, taking away the ball didn't change this thing of Mambo that can be sometimes quite difficult, like how he gets so overexcited. I'll just, just about the thing that's like people, he's like, like, okay, so my sister was visiting from out of town. For some reason, he really took to my sister like from when he was a puppy, he doesn't see her often. We don't even live in the same city, but whenever he does, he just goes nuts. Like he has to be like sitting on her as close as possible. Like just and and he can't rest. Like he actually got so over excited that like it just looked, it was kind of scary because his eyes were just like so dilated for hours and like. He was panting in, in our apartment and he's never doing that. And it was just kind of a similar thing where he was just so, he couldn't settle down because he was so like excited.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have, I'm going to give you three options and I want you to just pick which one you think it is. Okay. Is the ball, the ball itself, the problem, the solution or a symptom.
1: I feel like it's the last two at the same time, like it could be.
0: Why do you think that?
1: Wait, the, a problem, a solution, or the what? Symptom. Symptom. It's definitely a symptom of this pattern of mumbos.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Because he shows this behavior with anything that makes him excited. And then I also think it could be used to our advantage, to try to like, like help him with it using the ball since we know that he likes it so much and it's something that we have. And is it okay?
0: I, Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's no right or wrong answer to that, so yeah. I'm totally on board with you. And I saw some hearts going up on the screen. Like you're getting some love. Can we give some Tatiana some love in that because she's doing some serious problem solving here, and <laughs> she's doing it all by herself. Not very much assistance from Jenna over here. So. Thank you so much for that. Give her some love in the chat, okay? So, if, if let's say what I heard you say was it's definitively a solution, or I'm sorry, a definitively a symptom, right? It may or may not be a solution. We can troubleshoot that in a second. Well, yeah. we know definitively it's a symptom, right? Yeah. So, if it's a symptom that there's a deeper root or rooted problem, yeah. What is the deeper rooted problem?
1: The over arousal thing okay. that he has, okay. like him getting overexcited where his brain stops working. Like it's like mumbo's gone.
0: I so, so where should your energy be best focused? And you can think of, when I ask you this, you can think of it as like a statement. You could say, I should be channeling my energy in a t- particular question. I could be channeling my energy in a particular path. I could be channeling, channeling my energy in a particular like process. Like wh- how you decide to frame that is completely up to you. But knowing that the ball is not really the problem, that it's a symptom of a bigger problem, the bigger problem is his hyper arousal or his obsession and his like extreme, right? Just like extreme. I see I see that in all caps, like extreme,
1: yeah. right? Yeah, that's my
0: um, Knowing that, where do you need to best channel your energy?
1: I mean, ideally, if I knew a way to channel my energy towards... Understanding how to like calm him down. Okay. That would be where my energy is going, but I don't even know where to begin with that because like I could tell you the specific scenarios. Like one of those is us parking while going out. The second we hit reverse, he's like losing it fit in the trunk. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the thing has been just like mumbo, be quiet. Like and we're all the way in the I'm driving and it's like yeah if I
0: my job is to help you figure out where to go right so like back to sure like I mean I need to help him calm down but I don't even know like what that looks like like that's why you have me right I guess my first question for you is you said help him calm down what does calm down mean
1: that's like difficult for me too because it feels like such a part of his personality that he's like he's so intense like about how he does everything i don't like and and that's like a really one of my favorite qualities about him like he's so like committed to everything he does so i don't know what that means like i don't know what a neutral mumbo is what is calmed down like i guess like to me it's just like take some of that edge off where but then it feels like i'm saying like oh changes feelings about something which i don't is that possible (laughs)
0: Is it possible to change feelings? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, is it possible to, like, be like, okay, like, you can be really excited that you're here, but not as excited?
0: Is it possible?
1: I don't know. I actually
0: don't. Let's let's get rid of dogs for a second. Let's just talk about people, right? Is it possible to desensitize someone... To a trigger, or to an event, or to us, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about dogs in general. Is it possible to desensitize a dog in general, any dog off the street? To I know. A event, to a whatever.
1: I know that it's possible because I hear about like recovering dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, like. I don't know how that happens. Mm-hmm. I Like, I know, like, I've read and watched videos. It's, like, what it can, what it sort of entails. Like, I know, like, some general terms about it. But, like, in the context of Mambo, I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know how one would go about doing that.
0: So what I'm hearing is... You know that it's possible to desensitize a person to an event. You know that it's possible to desensitize a dog to an event. You know that there are methods to desensitize events that exist. You've done enough research, enough YouTubing, enough reading to know that there's like a method. And you understand the method like loosely in theory. Yeah. But, how, be, but being able to apply it to Mambo yeah. in this context, there's like, there's a disconnect.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: OK. So let's let's work through that. Are you game to work through that?
1: Of course yeah that's what, yeah
0: So of the things that you saw again right now I don't even want you to worry about like tying it back to mumbo just like table that All I want you to answer is of the things that you learned, how do we desensitize a trigger or an event or whatever?
1: Well I've heard of that thing of like keeping them working in a where they're not past their threshold
0: like perfect, beautiful
1: Working that's a, beautiful um, and then the thing of like having a positive like conditioning a positive response. then I then I don't know what happens after <laughs>
0: that's okay that's okay so uh, to a couple of things I'm gonna recruit our chat box so how do we desensitize it a, a trigger we know we have to work sub threshold We know we need to create a positive association. Those are two, like, that is, that is. if you don't have those two things, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) So the fact that you were able to label that, Tatiana, is beautiful, like you're already ahead of the game, okay? And what's the next piece? What are the next things that we're doing? Um, I saw one recommendation was about pattern games uh, and self-soothing pattern games. Are you familiar with that, Tatiana? No. Okay, that's okay, we don't have to be. If you guys know, or if Alito, if you're still here, would you mind giving us the definition in the chat box on what a self-soothing pattern game is? And um, maybe we can add that to our resource library later. So that Tatiana can go do some researching on that. That would be helpful. While we're waiting for them to give us that next step, we've focused on cha- uh, the positive association. Let's break down working sub-threshold. Hey dog guardian, we at dog liaison actually hope that our free content is so supportive for you that you don't need to hire a dog trainer. However, we also recognize that sometimes having a coach on your side is super helpful. So if you think you would really benefit from working with me and the dog liaison team, then you can head to getacalmdog.com to learn more. That is also linked in the description box below for your convenience. And so now let's get back into the episode. Let's think about applying sub-threshold to Mamba and the ball and the fact that he becomes obsessive with the ball. When is Mamba sub-threshold around the ball?
1: In the in the backyard. Like, he's still excited about it, but it's not the same.
0: Mm-hmm. We know he's well sub-threshold in the backyard. We know that he's over threshold once you get to the park and he's with the ball. Where's the in-between line for him?
1: I mean, I'm, wh- what's coming to mind is just walking to the car. Okay. Like, he knows where we're going. Like, he knows what to expect. And at that point, he's usually pretty chill. Like, he he's not, like, bolting out the door, but he knows what's coming. He hasn't hit, like, when we haven't gotten to the car yet, yeah, and he, he's sniffing and just there. It usually actually takes a little long to get into the car because, I don't know, mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. like, enjoying the walk to the car. That is okay. where... And then once we're in the car, no matter how short the drive is, he kind of, like, loses his shit once he knows we're parking. hmm So he loses his mind once we're parking. So we
0: know we know where the over-threshold starts, right? And and I had just a clarifying question for you. When you say you're walking to the car and he's he's he knows what's coming but he's not over-threshold yet, is the ball visible? Does he have the ball or is the ball still hidden?
1: So the ball is with him in the trunk. Like he has full access okay. to the ball. Yeah. Like once Beautiful. he gets in the car like, the, yeah, the ball is just there. And Beautiful. like he d- he doesn't like leap out of the car when we're there. Like he knows he's supposed to wait. Like I open the trunk. Like I'm collecting his stuff. Like he's never be like in a like uncontrollable state. It's just like as we're parking, he's like kind of bouncing off the walls, and then we park. I open the door. He knows to wait, but he's looking really anxious. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. guess at that point he's already over threshold. Would that be?
0: What 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 is to you? What is the definition of over threshold?
1: I guess when you can't really function, in
0: like where you're like not
1: functional, like, and at that point he still is, like because I can still be like I don't know.
0: Is non-functional like an on-off switch? Is that really how brains work, where it's just like I'm functioning or I'm not
1: functioning? (laughs) Sometimes it seems like (laughs) like,
0: no. um,
1: What I mean is kind of like where he gets in that like one track mind and it's like i can only think about this okay can i just say this this um thing that he does so like golden gate park is like a massive park and so we've played fetch in patches and then there's this promenade that you can walk down we can walk down it if mumbo is approaching a place that we played fetch he starts pulling like a horse and he's really strong and it's, it's, it's pretty difficult. And normally like on a walk, like he's fine. And then as we pass the patch, he's just kind of looking at me, like, what are we doing? Like, why are we passing it? And then he kind of calms down and then he's just walking. Then as we approach another patch, then he starts pulling again. And And it's just a thing. So like he, do you know why I'm bringing it up? Cause like, this is why it's confusing. Cause like it starts, like, it's very clear. It's like, Oh, there's fetched land type thing. And then he calms down and then it happens again.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I gave sort of a human analogy of what you just described?
1: Okay, yeah, please.
0: Here's a human comparison. You take your baby to Disneyland. I think you said your baby's like one, One
1: right,
0: yeah. So let's fast forward and assume your baby is six or seven, okay. And you're gonna take your toddler, you're now a toddler, to Disneyland. And they see a ride, and they get all Oh, mom, I go to that. Sorry, I want to go to that ride. Yeah. I want to go to that ride. And you said, No, we're not going to that ride. So then they're like, Okay, fine. And you have to walk past the food, the concessions Yes, yeah. and then there's another ride, yeah. And your toddler's like, Oh my god, mom, there's another yeah. ride no, we're not going on that ride right now. We're going this way. Okay. Mom, there's another ride over there though. Did you see that next ride? Right. So there's like this way, there's this time, this duration between the two rides where like inherently the excitement is going to kind of go down. Yeah. But my question for you is in this analogy with your now toddler at Disneyland, did your toddler, Ever really um, come back down to oh, like that sure not. Basis. Yeah. No. Okay. Your toddler's still running on like excitement. We can kind of compare that to adrenaline, right? It's still yeah. like, still very active. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 100%. So even if your toddler is able to hold a conversation with you in that moment, is your toddler's brain in the best capacity? To have a deep conversation.
1: (laughs) No. Okay.
0: So is your toddler over or under threshold in that degree?
1: Over. Okay. Now
0: let's go back to Mumba. In the gap then between the one part of the park and the next part of the park. Is Mamba over or under threshold?
1: He's over threshold. He's just behaving in a way, and I often joke about it with my husband, that if you were looking, you would think he just walks really well on the leash, but he's actually just confused about why we passed there.
0: (laughs) Okay. So is that a conducive place and time to learn? No. Okay. Then we need to find a different place to learn, yes? Yes. Cool. So I want to pause here for a second. What sort of uh ahas or thoughts or like ideas are kind of coming through your mind right now as I've broken that down for you.
1: I guess an aha would be like actually seriously con- considering where he is under threshold. Like, mm. cause I haven't really actually thought about that. And I have, I guess, been kind of thinking about it in terms of the ball being present, I, but I don't, or like being at the park like that would be the only way to do it because it feels like that's where it's happening. But I guess it's, it's a whole buildup to get there. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. What do
1: you think about like, okay, so like, is it the walk to the car?
0: Is it? I, I don't, I don't know. That's, how would you find out?
1: I. That's where I have no idea.
0: How would you find out how to find out?
1: Trying it, trying something.
0: Is that your only option? Is trial and error? No. What are other options available to you? If you guys are in the chat and you guys have some ideas of where asking someone for up, an answer. What what's
1: that? I said asking you for an answer. Uh
0: I mean, there's one way to ask me. It's just not in the purpose of this call. Yeah. Um, but if you guys are in the if you guys are in the chat box, You guys have some ideas on where Tatiana can go to find out whether or not the 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 part the walking to the car is actually Mumba's ideal learning opportunity. If that's actually where he should she should be. Because we've identified, let's just kind of recap, let's give us a synopsis here. We've identified that we think we hypothesize the on the route to the car where he has the ball but before he gets in like too far into the card, and especially by the time he gets in the parking lot, we hypothesize that's the learning, that's the ideal learning opportunity. But we don't know how to find out for sure that, which is to say, we don't know how to run those experiments. And secondly, we don't even know where to look or where to go to find out how to run those experiments. That is the problem we're posing at the moment. So here are some suggestions that we have in the chat box. Um, we have data collection, working in a place with less distractions first. Yes, we've identified that. That's actually one of the things we're tackling right now. That's, that's sort of the problem we're posed against is how do we know whether or not, like distractions, he's, coming, he's becoming over threshold in anticipation of the park alone. So it's not so much a distraction as much as it is the anticipation of the park. Alita said, would he respond to his name or attention cue whilst walking to the car?
1: For sure. Um,
0: the question I have is, is a dog responding to their name inadvert- in- inherently a dog that's sub-threshold? That's the question for you, Tatiana.
1: Sorry, repeat the question.
0: Is a dog responding to their name inherently, automatically sub-threshold?
1: No. No, because he okay. responds to his name like when he's like... Like, he not... Like, okay, okay, so like, if he's kind of like being like running around while I'm trying to like set up, like sit down, I can be like mumbo down and he goes down, but it's specifically because he's like, this is going to get me the ball. Like, mm-hmm. so he's not, he can still respond to his name, but yeah, he's 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 thinking about one thing only.
0: Mm-hmm, 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 okay, so we, ha- Stacy said, ask the pup, ask your dog is a great slogan that Jenna has in her life. <laughs> I don't know, go ask your dog. So she's probably pulling on that theme a little bit. So I just want to kind of recap for you what we've what we've what's happened in the last three minutes, because a lot has happened in the last three minutes. So let's synthesize it a little. One, we know we need to work sub threshold. We have a hypothesis that it is it is on the way to the car, right? That that is sub threshold. But secondly, we don't really know how to find out that for sure. We don't know how to run those experiments. We had some people identify, we can do some data collection. Would you know how to run that, collect that data?
1: No, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking for.
0: Exactly. So we need, come on guys, we're going to think really hard. We need to to find a place that we can, or a thing that we can turn to, to give us some education around, running experiments and collecting data. Where could we go for that? Type it in the chat or Tatiana, if some ideas have hit you. When
1: I wanna learn something. Mm-hmm. Like I, thought, I mean, in this specific scenario.
0: Just in general, you wanna learn something, where do you go?
1: I guess the internet.
0: Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> What resources do the internet does the internet provide you? Where could you go more specifically than just the internet void?
1: I mean, to be honest, it's you. Like I mean, you're it's it's been like you're the only person who gets as like like there's as much subtlety, like where it, like I just I it was not helpful any other resource. So yeah, it's you.
0: Okay. What resources can you go to specifically to find out what, how to run experiments.
1: Right, I don't know. That I,
0: that I provide. I should clarify.
1: Oh, I, could, I guess I could search on your YouTube channel.
0: Okay. So you could go to my YouTube channel and see, <laughs> hey, does Jenna have any uh, topics on here that explain how to run experiments? Great. We've come <laughs> up with an action plan here. <laughs> I think I, I want to kind of just, is it okay? Can I have permission to just temporarily teach for a second? I'm going to step out of coaching. Oh, myself.
1: please
0: do yeah so i think sometimes our brains when we're trying to problem solve we're trying to like assume that everything every action every step we take has to be a literal step it has to be like how are we actually training right now (laughs) and sometimes the action step is i need to go find information right? Sometimes the action step is not, I need to problem solve how to run experiments, but rather I need to go find someone who is just, will just tell me how to run experiments. Where can I go to get someone to just tell me what to do? Cause I don't need, we don't need to problem solve everything in the universe. There are things we have to problem solve, which is why coaching calls exist, but not everything has to be a problem solved thing. Sometimes we can go find someone else who's already solved a problem for us yeah. and just tell them what to do, right? Yeah. So, when, you, when you're coming up with these action plans, and, and this is, yes, for you, Tatiana, for the purpose of this call, it's also for you, Tatiana, after this call in the future, it's also for everybody listening. When you guys are coming up with your action plans, don't think that they have to be exclusively you alone doing the thing with your dog in the moment. <laughs> Sometimes the action plan is simply, I had found a gap in my knowledge and I need to go fill that gap, okay? Thank you for letting me teach just for a second.
1: Oh, I yeah. Yeah, it. I appreciate what you said.
0: Now, I, I also, you know, given that principle that I kind of just laid out here, where it's like sometimes we don't have to problem solve everything. Sometimes we can just go find someone that's already solved the problem for us and tell us how to do it. Given that, uh-huh. do you think that you have to continue problem solving mumbo, you know, hyper arousal and overstimulation and obsessions? completely by yourself? No. Okay.
1: I don't. It's, I guess, so here, here's where I felt like stuck. And I guess what you're telling, what you just said made me kind of think that I just have to get a little bit more specific about like the specific steps. Like, I'm not going to get the answer of like what, what to do. Like, I'm not going to get like one basic answer, I have to figure out what is the step that needs to happen next. Because all this time what has been frustrating is that I like I haven't been able to find the specific answer. Like I felt like I've searched for this thing, but no one has like no one has outlined this thing of this specific scenario, which I know is probably not rare. Like I just probably a thing that a lot of people deal with, with dogs with their dogs, but it felt like so oversimplified and like, I guess like kind of basic, the way that people talked about this thing. And I I and I guess I needed to think of it more of like, Mumbo's having this like anxiety thing around this stuff. And where is he not have, yeah. Get more specific about what what I am actually wanting to do with him with this mm. thing.
0: I just want to validate everything you just said. Can we give her some hearts up on the screen? Give her some love for that epiphany. And I want to thank you for being willing to grow publicly on a public forum like that, to have that sort of breakthrough, because that's freaking scary for starters. Um, But secondly, it's going to resonate with so many people. The idea that I, I, I want to validate your experience, which is that a lot of times... Dog training culture does tell you, like, oh, your dog is resource guarding the ball, teach, drop it. And it's very yeah. reductionistic. It's yeah. very like, it seems so simple. Like, you're just yeah. so stupid for, for not knowing that you yeah. just yeah. need to teach not drop it. Well, you're sitting there saying, actually, I've identified that the problem is quite large. The the problem is, A, I don't want to break trust with my dog. And right now I'm coercing him and it doesn't feel good for the relationship that I want with him. B, perhaps he's dealing with some anxiety that we need to dig further into. Perhaps the pro- the, the ball is the symptom and we've all been looking around saying, let's just treat the ball. And you're yeah. sitting there being like, forget about the ball, the ball is not the problem, right? Yeah. It's both on the root issue. And it's, it takes a lot of bravery as a guardian to say that against the dog training industry. It takes a lot of bravery for you to be like, okay, I tried the freaking drop it. My dog knows drop it like it's the back of his hand. I did what you about, told me to go do. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't work. it takes a lot of bravery for you to stand up and kind of combat that. So thank you for that bravery. I want to validate that your experience makes sense. It is correct. You are doing the damn thing. Like keep going, right? And this this hunch this feeling that you have in you that you're like there's a bigger issue here which is an anxiety thing that we need to actually focus more on and i have to get i heard you say i have to get more specific with what it is that i actually need to treat and what i actually need to do you need to lean into that hunch my friends keep going keep digging into that ignore the freaking ball ignore all the trainers telling you it's a resource guarding issue Ignore all of the people. You've tried all that, it didn't work. Move forward. Right? Yeah. So when I say all this, what's coming up for you?
1: I guess like uh time to do more research. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You a good research, hunt.
1: Yeah, like I guess what's coming up is a little bit of overwhelm for me. Uh okay. Because I still, yeah, yeah, like, I guess I would have to do this specific research first before I st- say that once again, I, I do still feel like I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess where I am starting is the research thing of like, specifically what, how to run experiments is, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. that is, I think the only thing I can really think of right now because I feel like that is the only thing the first thing to do
0: after I I heard I agree I, I think that that is something to look further into and I heard you use the word anxiety how knowledgeable do you feel you are on dog anxiety like around it
1: I feel knowledgeable about mumbo's anxiety like I know like I can tell when the least bit of change in our like daily routine like even so far as like why are you guys sitting in this room when you usually sit in this room at this time of day like how much that affects him like he'll just be staring at me like he'll be lying down but staring at me mm-hmm. and like that that kind of thing so I know I can I know when he's feeling anxious and sometimes it's hard because I don't feel like there's something I can always do about it because like I'm like living my life mm-hmm. um but I know, I, I, I guess the answer is I don't know much about dog anxiety. Yeah, I don't.
0: So um, what I'm hearing is that you've actually been able to do some, a lot of self-observation of Mumba. You have seen his own patterns. You have been able to just by being the brilliant guardian that you are, and this is what I talk about all the time. Y'all are freaking geniuses. Like the idea that guardians don't know things blows my mind because you've done all of this by yourself, right? You have observed his patterns. You know what's causing him anxiety. Where it seems that you've identified a gap in your knowledge is in the principle of anxiety on the whole as it yeah. applies to box. Yeah. So researching more and learning more about the principle of dog anxiety, I know you said you can reference my YouTube channel. That's a great place to go. You know, there's a reason I've niched into dog anxiety. So everything that you come into my sphere, you will find dog anxiety stuff, right? But I also, I think the the challenge for you that you'll have to, to really work through is as you're learning this material about dogs in general and dog anxiety in general you'll always be having to think about okay how do i bring that back to mumba how do i bring that back to mumba how do i bring that back to mumba right and as we've identified here i heard you say like i don't have to do all of that problem solving alone the key there is is okay well if i'm not alone who am i letting into my ne- network and in what capacity Right. If I'm not, if I don't have to do all of this work by myself, and I can ask for advice, I can have people problem solve things for me. How, how who am I letting into my network and at what capacity? How am I using them? That is an also a self-discovery that you'll have to go on. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. As we kind of start to segue and we wrap up, I want to list the three commitments you've made in our call. So you've talked about a couple of things. One you really wanna do some thinking, some deep pondering of where is mamba sub-threshold, like in what environments, right? Just from the loose observations you've already made. Two, how do we run experiments to go, and we need to go research how to run those experiments, particularly on the way to the car. And three, we need to do more research around dog anxiety on the whole and tying that back into mamba. Yeah, okay. Those are the three commitments you've made here. I want to kind of tap in a little bit. What has been supportive about our conversation?
1: I guess you helping me break it down and go to the, the actual root of it. Just kind of like, it, it just kind of feels like now I can kind of look at it from a different angle. Like, whereas before it was like, I was seeing it from my eyes, which was kind of pretty repetitive and not creative, <laughs> I don't know. And then now I can sort of see it from a different angle. So like, I mean, which is what I was hoping for, which is nice. I do want to say, I I remember though, like as you were talking about researching into dog anxiety, a couple of weeks ago, you made a, you did a live about like empath dogs. And I was like, oh, that's Mumbo. Like he's totally like that. Everything you were describing was him like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, and that was helpful, but also I just didn't know how to apply, like, okay, the the disconnect of like, okay, so what, how do I use that it, it to help this thing?
0: Yeah, well, and just my, my invitation to you is to remember that, like, you don't have to do it alone, right? And I think, like, you just even being willing to come on the show alone is evidence like, that you are ready to move out of just your brain. Yeah. And I think sometimes when I say like, move out of your brain, I, I always wanna remind people that like, our brains are really impressive places, right? Like your brain has done already so much for you. Your observations of Mamba, your relationship and the bond you have with him has already very clearly carried you a very far distance. And it's starting to hit its, its capacity, at least for right now, yeah. right? And when that starts to happen, you have to start tapping into other geniuses. And sometimes, and in my opinion, you should be tapping into as many free geniuses as possible, Yeah. right? Get all of the free genius. And at some point, that might mean that it's not free anymore. It just depends on where you are in that journey. But what I would say is like something that could be very beneficial for you. And I'd like to kind of, this is my CTA to the audience. This is my call to action for the audience. If you guys have a dog that demonstrates an obsession with a thing, especially like if it is a ball, like the dog that's coming to my mind right now is Brimley the Doodle. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but Brimley the Doodle also has anxiety. She was in the RP as well. Um, she's now a graduate, but she's also has like an obsession with balls as well. So if you have a dog that has an obsession with a ball or some other type of thing like that, where it's like their security blanket, will you guys please type in the chat or if you're on team replay, type in the comments and say that to you so that if you guys want to connect and you can problem solve and you can say, okay, how did we work through this obsession of this object? um you guys can have those private conversations and kind of have a real person to talk it through with does that make sense yeah okay so that's my call to action if that's you and you are on team replay please say so Tatiana, my question for you as i before we wrap up is what did you learn about yourself today
1: that i've had some like blind spots with this thing like i i yeah i was just i was a little bit i guess kind of like looking at it like this it, it's what it feels like, like too close. And like mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at a bigger the bigger picture. Okay. How it it is all kind of the same story about Mumbo. Everything that is gets kinda of like, oh, like he's kinda of unhinged, like it's all the same thing. And then the ball was just like the is a very obvious one mm-hmm. that now has just been a pattern for a year that he's doing this thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. What did you learn about Mumbo?
1: I don't know. The thing that's just coming to my mind is that he might, he might need our help (laughs) a little in a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not as simple as like, Oh, that's another thing. It's like, I do like the whole thing. Like I would get really like obsessed with like, Oh, meeting Mumbo's needs. And I'm like, so in my brain, it was like, okay, he loves fetch so much. So like meeting that need, And maybe just, like, reframing what his needs actually are, like, so he can feel a little more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I want to thank you for your vulnerability, for your transparency, for letting us, talking us through your thoughts so that we can kind of hear on the inside. Thank you very, very, very much for that. I really appreciate it please give us an update. You know, I know that it'll be a couple weeks out. You got to sort through, you got to move through action plan, but I hope that she'll send me a DM in the future. Let me know, you know, what comes to pass and kind of where you end up. So please keep us in the loop. Bye there.
1: Bye. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dog Liaison Podcast. If you did, it would help us tremendously if you subscribe to the show, left a review, and or shared with a friend. You can either post on your Instagram stories, make sure you tag me if you do, or send it directly through an email or a DM straight to a friend, letting them know, hey, this episode really made me think of you. Info on how to work with me and the Dog Liaison team is linked in the description box, or you can go to getacomdog.com. We look forward to having you in the next episode. Until then, give your dog a treat for me and we'll talk soon.